Now this morning I want to continue on our theme about gospel power. And, and this morning especially I want to look at this. Um, I'll give you a taste of what I'm going to speak about today. Um, breaking through our limitations. How many of you have limitations in your life? Come on, all of our hands need to be up. We have limitations in our lives. Um, I mean, I've got so many limitations that I was like, Lord, can you just help me? <laughs> so many times I feel like that. But before I start, let me just pray for us and, uh, and then we can start. Lord, we thank you so much. What a privilege it is to share your word, to have church together, just to have fun in your, in your presence. Um, and Lord, just honor you for, for who you are. Lord, come and speak through me. May it not just about, um, not be about me today, but may it be about you speaking to us, giving, giving us revelation um, through your word, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, now, let me just start out with a confession this morning. Is it okay? <laughs> I want to confess that one of my true weaknesses in life is that I like new things. I like new things. I don't, thank you. I've got a friend here. I like new things. I do not like old things. I, I really don't like old things. I mean, new, the new things are nice. One of my favorite words in life is upgrade. Upgrade. I mean, my definition for upgrade is out with the old, in with the new. I like that. Except my wife. I'll never trade her. I'll never upgrade her. Can I just say my children, <laughs> when God gave her to me, he said, no upgrade. He said, Lord, it's fine with me. I don't think you'll get better anyway. So, 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 now if you want to punish me severely, you take me to an antique store and you tell me, you can have anything you like. I mean, I would die a number of deaths. You know? the, only, the only thing that I like about antique stores is that I can sell it for more money and buy new things. I mean, I don't like old things. I mean, every time when I visit my grandma and my grandparents, um, they had all these old things from the farm, and I was like, oh my goodness, Lord, I don't want these things in my life. I, please, can I have some new couches and new beds that doesn't crack, and all these bad old things. But for them it worked. Now, I know um, they don't make things like they, ought, like they have made it. I mean, to be honest, there's just things that they haven't made it like that. Nowadays, things just break. But there's just something about receiving something new. Am I right? Um, I, I just love receiving something new. It's like I've never heard somebody say, like, it's like oh my goodness, I have to upgrade my, my old phone. Can you believe it? It's so tough. Oh my goodness. Why do I have to get a new tel uh, cell phone? I've never heard that. It was like, yeah, I can upgrade my phone. <laughs> Let me just see what's all the new stuff. Or, or somebody say, oh man. I can't believe people tell me I have to upgrade my old car with all the cracks and the scratches and the issues. Why do I love my old car? No, it's good to have a new car. We all like new things in our life. Am I right? Now, I'm not saying you have to upgrade your car. I'm just saying it's always nice to have. I mean, so as a billionaire walks in here today, I want to give you all new cars. It's like, no, sorry, I like my old car with the scratches and dents. Just keep, stay away. No, it's like we will jump and run around and shout and sing all the songs again. <laughs> you see, upgrades are amazing, isn't it? I love upgrades, but the best thing about upgrade, the best upgrade there is, is when you fly overseas and you book in, you check in, and the, the guy look at you, the lady look at you and says, Sir, we want to upgrade you to business class today. 
I've never had to upgrade to first class, but always business class and first class are very close to each other. First class are just that notch up. But think about it. Like, I don't know who, 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 who had that before. None, but I've got a couple of friends. You, okay? I had that like domestic uh, that happened to me when SAA still flow. I had flights that had business class and a normal coach. Um, but never international. I, I'm trusting and hoping for that. But I have a number of friends who booked in as they sit, sat on an airplane, closed the door, said, uh, hostess came to them and said, sir, can you just follow us? And they upgraded them to business class. And I had friends who checked in and the plane was full and they said, well, we'll just put you in business class. And but all of them said, so Henny, it's like seeing my house in heaven. It's like laying there for 10, 12, 14 hours and just being blessed. Yeah. Now that is a great upgrade, isn't it? Yeah. It's a good thing to, to have, to always be upgraded. Like I can sit at the back. But I can also sit in business class where I get served and I get blessed. Now, now if, you, now if I tell you this morning that, that the point that I'm making is biblical, will you believe me? It's actually biblical. The only difference is that God only made one upgrade through the centuries. And that upgrade will last forever. Now what am I talking about? I'm talking about God took us from an old covenant... Of law and took his took us to a new covenant through his son Jesus Christ. Now let's read the first scripture. So 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 to 21 says the following. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What does that mean? It means that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against him. Remember, we used this scripture a couple of weeks ago. And he had committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who has no sin to be sin for us. So, so what happened? So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God in Him. So let me summarize what happened. The first covenant was between God and sinful man, like man, God and man. Now what happened? The Israelites were in Egypt, and they were there for, for a couple of centuries. And, and what happened when you under a culture of... Um, what do you call it, of a, a pagan culture, where they don't serve God, they don't speak about your God, you get infused and oppressed by a different culture of idolatry. Um, I mean, all those kind of things. They were under Egypt's law, where, where Egypt served all other gods except the true God. And when God took them out of there, and we all know the story of the ten plagues and going into the desert, God had to realign them to be His nation and to be holy. And God had to bring in the law to help them to learn this is how God's, God's um, nation and God's people live. He had to realign them to a place in a, in a kingdom of light, out of the kingdom of darkness. Now, therefore, the covenant of law was needed to make that happen. And, they, but, and there was nothing wrong with the first covenant. Some of them, some of us sometimes speak so bad about the first covenant, the law. The, I mean, yes. If you look at what we have now, but it wasn't a bad law. It was needed for that time. In Romans 7, Paul actually said, if you go and read Romans 7, it's not on there. It said that the law was holy, righteous, and good. 
But the problem was man's inability to keep the law. The failure wasn't God, the failure was man. You see, it was a covenant designed to result in life, not death, but it resulted in death. That's what happened. Let's read Romans 7 now. Romans 7 verse 9 to 10. It says, At one time I've lived without the understanding of the Lord. This is Paul speaking. Now if you look at the book of Romans, before you check, look there, if you look at the book of Romans, Paul used the book of Romans to, un, to explain to us what the power of the gospel is and how much the new covenant enhances us as believers. So let, let's read again. It said, At one time I lived without the understanding of the law, but when I learned the command not to covet, for instance, the power of sin, sin came to life and I died. Died physically? No, he died spiritually. So I discovered that the law's command, commands, which were supposed to bring life, brought spiritual death instead. Now in Exodus 32, when Moses came down the mountain with the, with the stone tablets, people were serving other God. They made a golden calf. He th- I mean, we all know the story. And what happened right after that? When God initiated the first covenant with us, 3,000 people died instantly. He said to the Levites, take your swords and kill everyone who made this happen. So when the law was instated, in that moment, 3,000 people died because of the law. You see, when the law came in, more people died because of disobedience to the law than being in the desert for 40 years. See, the law was supposed to bring life, but what did he bring? Death. Then Jesus came And through his death and resurrection, a new covenant was established on earth. The old covenant revealed that we needed something better. So I always thought, Lord, why did you, God being all-knowing, why did he establish a covenant that he knew that would bring death? That's a good question. I'm still thinking about it. But what I know is that when God brought the the old covenant in to prove that we need him, we need him so dearly we can't live righteously without God and the law came in and the people take it took it so much lawfully that they tried to out of their own works try to be righteous and God had to change that. he said to them now I see that you need you need something better look at Galatians 3 24 26 let me put it another way Paul said the law was our guardian until Christ came Now I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. He said, the law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. And now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian. For you are all children of God through faith in what? In Jesus Christ. See, when Jesus came, our faith stood up. It says, I can be free from the law and the law had to come in and guard people from sin guard them away from all pagan worship guard them away from a place where i want you to where god says i want you to serve me and me only but since what jesus has done he has opened the field of play and said all you now need is faith all you need is faith to be established in the new covenant now the new covenant was between god the father and Jesus his son. Am I right? 
The covenant was based on what? It was based on the following. It's based on Jesus coming to earth, paying the penalty that the law required, because the law required a penalty. What? Death because of sin. So he paid the penalty, and therefore God could, when, when Jesus paid the penalty, God says, now I can forgive everyone, because the law was paid. All was paid for. Therefore I can save them because of Jesus. So let me ask the question that's hanging in the air, or maybe for me. Why will this new covenant work if the old one didn't? Why will the new covenant work if the old one failed? Now the answer is very easy, because the covenant does not depend on us. It doesn't depend on us. The old one did. See, the first covenant was between God and man. We had to succeed for the covenant not to fail but we failed but the new covenant is between god and his son god and his son see we were left out god said son let me make a covenant with you because you are without sin you are the perfect spotless lamb you will succeed you will not fail so god took us out of the equation he made a covenant with his son and after the covenant was was established Jesus brought us back and said, Now, through me, you are the righteousness of God. Through me, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You remember? We said, We are the righteousness of God. We are in right standing before the Father in Jesus. So God looks at you, no matter how much sin you have, no matter how, issues, how much issues in life you have, but through Jesus, He looks at us. We, we can't get away from it. Because the, the covenant was established, that Jesus in front of us. And what, what, what does it cost us? We just need to say, Jesus, come into my heart. That's Romans 10, 10 verse 9 says, If you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that, that Jesus has died and has paid the price, you will receive him as your Lord and Savior. And immediately Jesus moves in between you and God. And God looks at you through his Son. That says, all is paid. All is paid. Look at Romans 3, 23 to 24. He says, for everyone has sinned, everyone has sinned, and we all fall short of, the, of, of God's glorious standard. So that's quite a problem, am I right? <laughs> when, the, when the scripture says that all of us fall short, all of us are missing it, yet God in His grace freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. You see, the first covenant brought what? Death. But life came through the new covenant. Life came through the new covenant. Can I prove it to you? Look at this amazing contrast. I just said earlier, I said, when the first covenant was established, what happened? 3,000 people died in that, in that moment. God didn't kill them. The people that was upholding the law, the Levites, killed them. What happened on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out? 3,000 people was filled with new life. Go and read the scriptures. Peter preached powerfully. I still want to hear that sermon. He preached powerfully. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. 3,000. Isn't that a great contrast of one covenant from death moving over to a covenant that gives life? So here's our challenge as believers for this season and this time. 
We have died with Christ and became new, became a new man. What? A new man, a new woman, new, new, a new person in Christ Jesus. Am I right? So we are supposed to live free, live a life of freedom in a new covenant. But the problem is so many believers still mix the two. We still mix the old covenant, the law, with the grace. Why? Because we still want to do, we still want to prove, we still want to work our way to righteousness. I feel condemned if I don't read my Bible or come to church or whatever. I feel so condemned if I... We still see so much performance pressure in our lives to please man and to please God. I mean, if I ask you, my hand is up. There's so many times in my life there's performance pressure. I need to perform. For us as running church, we feel that we need to perform for people, but I do not have to. Because God has a new covenant where we all are free and righteous. Everything from the old system, the old covenant of religion has passed away. And the truth is, the new covenant, there's nothing we can do to earn God's favor. <laughs> there's nothing you can do now. There's nothing you can do to earn God's favor. The favor is unmerited forever. More than enough as you can count. That you can mess up more than you think you could ever mess up. There's still unmerited favor for you. There's still grace. All you need to do is repent and move over to the new covenant. Stand behind Jesus so that God can see you through His Son. See, there's no sin that says, Oh, that's too big a sin. Sorry, you cancelled. You disqualified. There's no. Because the death and, and the works were for the old covenant. The old covenant was nullified so that the new covenant can come in. Now let me prove it to you. It says, if you read Hebrews 6, 7, 8, we see that even God said that the old covenant was weak and useless. Go and read it. If you read Hebrews 8, that, that God said through Paul, I mean, God ordained the scriptures, but he said that this was a weak and a useless covenant with death and failure. He said it about his own covenant. <laughs> and even if God said it, there's still people who's mixing up the useless, condemning covenant that kills us spiritually. Yeah. They're still trying to mix it. God has given us a new covenant. You see, the true gospel is the new covenant embraced 100%. Yeah. And the old covenant rejected 100%. There's nothing in between. There's nothing in between. There's no Old Covenant, maybe 10%, and maybe, maybe I'll take... Listen, I mean, the Old Testament, I'm not talking about the Old Testament. I'm talking about the Old Covenant. The Old Testament is great. I love the Old Testament, how God teaches us, and teaches us, and help us to see how we have grown from Old Covenant to a New Covenant. How from, a, from, from death to resurrection to life. Now, often I hear people say the following. It says that there needs to be a balance between the law and grace. I've, I've spoken to so many people. It's like, but listen, there need, always needs to be a, a balance between law and grace, between the old and the new. They say, no, no, I like new stuff. <laughs> I like the new covenant. I'll stay there, thank you. But see, let me, let, me, let me tell you this. Biblical truth isn't the balance between two truths. Let me explain it to you why. If, if I touch a leper in the Old Covenant, I'm declared unclean. Am I right? Yeah. Go and read the Old Covenant. 
But if I touch a leper in a new covenant, the leper is healed. So it's, it's, it's not, we, we don't, we, we're not functioning under law and under death. We function under life. That says, oh, okay, I've done the work, now I'm unclean. But the new covenant says, if you touch, life comes. Life comes. Both realities are true. Both realities are true. True. The one is just a simply a higher truth than the other one. Does it make sense? That the new covenant is just a higher truth than the old one. That means that my old car, did it drive? Did it take petrol? Yes. And my new car, it runs better, it goes faster, it goes longer, it takes petrol, it means this, but it's a higher truth. It's, a, it's, it's something newer. It's better. I don't want to go back to the old one. I want to stay in a new one. What has set up for me to be more prosperous. See, we cannot, there cannot be any balance between law and grace. There's either, either the one or the other. You can't take two truths and take the balance between this one. No, there's only one higher truth that we live from. Now let me prove it to you in church leadership, for instance. In the law system in church, you'll see the leaders on a pedestal. The professionals having a hotline to heaven. Does it sound familiar? I'm not, I'm not guiding any church. I'm just looking at the system of law and church. People live in fear of the pastor, the leader, or the doer, whatever. They live in fear because he's the man. He's the guy. He's the only one who can read the scriptures, hear God, pray for the sick. He's the guy. Be in his good books. If you're not in his good books, you're going to miss it. But in a grace system in church, you'll see a culture of freedom with strong and gifted leaders what? that fear God. And they hear God for a godly vision. See, here's the difference. In the law model of church, your primary role as a member is to serve the leaders. The leader is the man. He's the man. You need to serve him. But in a grace model, the primary role of the leader is to empower people to know God, to hear his voice, to dream bigger, to see the impossible in their lives. Yes, there's still honor, but the honor is both ways. See, when we realize we do not live by the law anymore, but we live under the covenant of grace, the limitations in our lives start to fall off. You'll start seeing the limitations in your life when you realize that, oh wow, I have been living under the old covenant, or I've been mixing the two. Yeah. See, we realize that, that we can function under a powerful new covenant that invades the impossible. It's the difference between a small firecracker and a nuclear bomb. See, the, the firecracker makes a noise and a bit of smoke. And maybe you can kill an insect or something, I mean, like boys did when they were younger. But a nuclear bomb is not the same. It makes a much bigger impact that touches hundreds of thousands of people. See, God created us to make a bigger impact in life. More than we believe we can make. I always believed when, when we planted this church, God says, you're going to make an international impact. I thought, oh, Lord, come on. Can I just have an impact on five people if they come to church? <laughs> yeah. 
But two weeks ago, we had a service with 17 American pastors. And, and, and I preached the word about intentionality and about the power of the gospel and about the authority of the believer. And I just, I mean, I went way off my sermon, but I preached things that, that I know that God wanted me to preach. And I got a message about, well, there was a Sunday, that Wednesday, some of them, there was a church in, or among the 17 pastors. There was a church called Commons LA Church and fantastic couple of young people. It's a young working professional church with about three, four hundred young professional students next to UCLA and LA. Um, they, and a lot of them came up and they wanted me to pray for them because for, I had a lot of testimonies on healings. So I prayed for James. Um, James had narcolepsy. There was a Devon, there was a couple of them, and, and one had a lot of allergies, the other one had neck pains and insomnia, and um, the one lady had stomach pain that, that didn't want to go away, so I just started praying for them. And James with the narcolepsy, he was driving with me to Route 44 Market afterwards, and he just said to me, he was sitting way at the back, and he said, so he, I heard you healed some people at church. <laughs> I laughed, and I said, no, I didn't heal them. I prayed, prayed for them, and God healed them. He said, well, can you do that to me? And I just, I was driving, he was way at the back, so I was driving, putting my hand on his, on his hand, just, Lord, I just commanded narcolepsy to go, in Jesus' name. That was like, how insignificant it was. So I got an SMS from, from, this, from the senior leader, Devin, and about a week after they left, or a couple of days after they left. So Henny, we just got back into LA. Um, I just want to testify that, that James haven't had any sleeping medication since you prayed for him. I ate more in the last three days than I ate in three years' time with all my allergies. Um, I can't remember the lady's name. Um, she had, didn't have stomach pain at all. Every time the stomach pain came back, we prayed for, the, for her. And, and how you said, with the authority of God, praying, not petitioning. And every time God has done a miracle. Every time my, my um, heartburn came back, I prayed and it subsided. And, um, and I was so encouraged, like, Lord, this is amazing, you're doing something. I texted him last night at half past 11, because um, we're 10 hours apart. And I said, Devin, I'm praying for you, I really trust God for something new, how's it going? And he said, he sent me a message back, he said, Henny, God is doing something phenomenal in our church. So there's something that you activated in your sermon, it wasn't you, that God used the moment, and, but, but we've been preaching um, authority of the believer. We've been testifying about the, the miracles that God has been doing. Um, I really need to have a call with you this week. See, God is busy making an international impact. Why? Because He's taking the limitations off. He's taking the limitations off, off of our lives. And we thought, oh, Lord, can I just, I don't know where to run to because I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> have you ever been there? <laughs> God created you all, every one of us, to make a bigger impact in life. That comes down to two things, if you want to take the limitations off. It comes down to two things, and this is it. Are you ready? And it's going to change the way you think if you get this. There's a mirror mentality versus a window view mentality. A mirror mentality versus a window view mentality. Now let me explain to you. With a mirror mentality, we keep on looking in the mirror at our own limitations. And we can't see what God wants to do in our lives. Every time you think, oh, I need to do this big thing, and then you realize, oh, but how am I going to do this? Look at the limitations of my life. I'm not this. I can't speak well. I can't do this. I mean, I got a dream when I was younger. God showed me in a vision a couple of times when I was younger. I was just in ministry. 
I saw I was preaching with, uh, in front of thousands of young people with a fire burning in my heart. And, and I went to my pastor and I said, I need to preach. I want to preach. And he said, no, I don't think you're a preacher. Or maybe you're good in small group formats and you're going to do this. And, you're gonna, and I just realized, wow. I love him. He's still my mentor. I love him. He's amazing. He did so much in my life. Um, but I went back to this and said, Lord, no, I'm not going to accept this limitation in my life. When I was younger, people, um, young, all my friends usually said to me, Henny, don't puke, speak. <laughs> I'm serious, because I was mumbling when I was younger. Because I felt insecure about myself. I didn't know who I was. And every time I mumbled, they would look at me and say, Henny, are you puking or speaking? Sorry about the graphic. <laughs> and we're laughing at that today, but, but now I can speak in front of, and I've, I've spoken in front of, uh, of 5,000 people, I've spoken in front of two, three, in, in front of any crowd, and I, there's no insecurity, there's no lack of looking in the mirror, there's no limitation. Because I know what God has done in my life. Now I want to take you back to a story about Gideon. There's a guy called Gideon in the book of Judges, and I'm almost done. And Gideon, let me, before I, we read the, script, read the scripture, I want to give you a bit of a backdrop. In that time, Israel, Israel as a nation were oppressed by a nation called the Midianites and all the other kites. There was a, there was a lot of them. And they were oppressing them to such a degree that they couldn't plant crop. They couldn't have um, livestock because the Midianites, the, the scripture actually says in, in Judges 6, they come in as locusts. And they destroy everything that they have. Take their women and children as slaves. Take their livestock. So they hid in the mountains and caves. Because they were fearful. They were gripped by the control of a spirit of fear in their lives. And here we read about Gideon pressing weed in a wine press. Now it doesn't make sense because you don't press weed in a wine press. You put it on a, on a big thing where the wind blows and a donkey pulls a big stone around um, the, um, the core, what do you call it, the, the wheat, and that the shaft can blow away and then it can scrape it to one side. So he was sitting in the wine press down in a hole pressing weed, like fearful about what, what is about. If somebody sees me, they might kill me or take my weed. Let's read Judges 6. This is what happens. So Gideon is pressing the grain or the weed in, in, in the wine press and the angel of the Lord come to sit with him. This is the following. Next scripture. And the angel, then the angel of the Lord came to him and sat beneath the great tree at Oprah, which belongs to Joas the, uh, of the clan of Abizia. Gideon, son of Joas, was threshing wheat at the bottom of the winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all these miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. Such a powerful scripture. I've got a different sermon on this that I'll maybe preach one day about what your authority really means. But, but Gideon def defined himself by what he saw in the mirror. Gideon defined himself by what he saw in the mirror. He became afraid and he hid in the wine press. 
He was so afraid. He was gripped by the spirit of fear. His destiny had diminished to, to hiding in a winepress because he was controlled by fear. You see, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Now, my first thought was, Huh? Serious? Mighty hero? What? I mean, angel, dude. Do you, I mean, this guy is sitting in a hole. He's afraid. He's pressing grain, weed. And, I mean, it doesn't make sense. A hero is a guy who's standing on top and said, Come, do whatever you want, but I'm going to press this weed. But the Lord wasn't looking in the mirror. He was looking through a prophetic window. He was looking at something of the potential that he saw in Gideon. See, Gideon's answer was typical of someone who has a mirror mentality. But Lord, how can you do this? How can you say this? Where is the God of our fathers? How, I mean, where is all these miracles you've told him? He didn't know an angel was speaking to him. Not at all. But then the second time, the first time was an angel. The second time it says, then the Lord turned to him. The first time was an angel. The second time God spoke to him. He said, now you need to listen up. Now you need to listen up. He said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel. See, God called Gideon to invade the impossible. He called him to invade the impossible. God wanted Gideon to take uh, wanted to take Gideon from that mirror mentality and help him to look through a prophetic window into the greatness that he has and bring deliverance to his nation. How many of us are sitting in a wine press today? How many of us have, sitting, uh, have been sitting in a wine press this year? Not fun to sit there. It's not fun to sit there where you are gripped by a spirit or controlling spirit of fear. Sometimes you don't even want to tell people, this is how I feel. I'm just so afraid. But you're sitting in that wine press. You're caught in that spirit of fear. We can sit in that wine press or we can let God smash our mirrors and open our prophetic window so that we can see the greatness in our lives. That we can see what God has given us. That we can see what God has called us to do. Sometimes we need to smash that. It's like, Lord, can you just smash this mirror of limitations in my life that, that's looking back at me? God anointed us how He sees us. Not how we see ourselves. When God created Alba, He could see that she has a praying intercession anointing. He didn't look at our limitations. He looked at how He sees us. But sometimes we... We, we go past the way that how God sees us and we want to look at ourselves. We want to look at that limitations. And it brings our destiny down to a minimum. Where our destiny needs to be massive. So much greater than we could ever think or see. See, if we keep looking at the mirror of the law, we will only see a limiting picture of ourselves. We can't keep looking at the law. We need to move over to that 100% new covenant look. That said, Lord, I am in you. You have given me something greater. But if we look out of the window of grace, <laughs> no controlling spirit of fear will keep you back from walking in power, walking in that anointing, walking in whatever God has given you. Amen? 
I want us to stand together and I want to pray for us this morning. And I'm really trusting God that, that there will be some limitations that fall, fall off of you today. That we won't stay stuck in the old covenant, but we will move over to this new covenant, not mixing the two, but says, Lord, I will reject the old covenant, the Lord, my life, 100%. And I will live 100% in the new covenant that says that I am empowered by grace. I'm not looking at my limitations, my sin, the things that I'm struggling to get, but I will step in behind Jesus so that you can look through your son to me. So Father, I pray this morning for everyone that's here and everyone that's not here, everyone in this town, Lord, everyone we know, family, friends, colleagues. Father, I pray that, that there will such, that something will rise in our hearts that that will shine our light, that will say that we are empowered by a new covenant of grace, a new power of the gospel, that when we speak, we see the supernatural. When we speak and, and, and trust God, the limitations fall off. And we, we're not looking into a mirror of limitations, but we are looking out of the window of an opportunity, the prophetic window where God shows us who we are and what we can accomplish. No matter how big the issues, no matter how massive our limitations look and see and feel for, for us, we don't live by feelings, we live by truth. Thank you that the, the higher truth will settle in our hearts today. Some of us are caught up into limitations of financial freedom. And I want to cancel that in your life today. That we are not held back by by limitations of less than enough. But we are empowered to a place of more than enough. So Father, I cancel every limitation in our lives that says that we don't have more than enough. But we are going to declare today that we have more than enough. We serve a God that taken the limitations of finances off of us. I want to cancel every insecurity of our lives today in Jesus' name. Where there's a lack, a, a mirror mentality, a lack of how we see, see ourselves. Lord, but I thank you that you will start showing us visions and dreams of what we can accomplish in life. What we will see. Lord, and we will dream bigger and bigger every day. That we won't put limitations on our dreams, but we will, we will look at that window view of the prophetic picture of what you've called us to do. Lord, we make a decision this morning not to listen to the enemy, but to listen to you. To look at the scriptures and see that the old is gone, the new has come. We are a new creation in Christ. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. And if there's any sin or any challenge or any limitation that's keeping us away from you, Lord, we place that at your feet right now. And if God is speaking to you about limitations in your life, why don't you just put your hand on your heart and just whisper that to Him this morning. Just whisper that to Him, Lord, I give you this limitation. Lord, I refuse to let this limitation limit me anymore. But I will step into this new covenant. I will step into the promise that you've given me, Lord. I will live the blessing of Abraham and not the curse of the old covenant. In Jesus' name. So Lord, I thank you that there will be a shift in our hearts 
to everyone here this morning, even people who's listening on this audio, that there will be a shift in our hearts this morning, stepping away from limitations and looking out of the window.